Welcome to Bedtime History. Hello, this is Breck. Guess what, parents? Bedtime History is now available on Story Button. Story Button is the easiest way to listen to our show without using screen devices like your phone or a tablet. Story Button is like a radio that's built for easy listening to your favorite kids' podcasts like ours. And the best part is there's no subscriptions or fees to access the content. This week, save $10 and get free shipping when you go to storybutton.com forward slash bedtime history. That's storybutton.com forward slash bedtime history. Before we get started, a shout out to Brian and Sophia Cooperman in Ohio, Marley in Canberra, Australia, Brandon in Lebanon, Ohio, Jack from Waterloo, Canada, and Elijah. If you'd like to donate to Bedtime History, go to our website, bedtimehistorystories.com, to donate via Patreon. Donors also get access to our entire 140-episode catalog of shout-out-free, pitch-free episodes. No extra stuff, just the stories you enjoy. Now on to our episode. Close your eyes and imagine it's the morning, and you wake to your alarm, but it's talking to you. Good morning. Today you have school, and remember, your report is due. After school is basketball practice, and then you have plans to play with your best friend. Thanks, computer. What should I wear today? Today is 50 degrees, so you should wear warm pants and a coat. Suddenly your closet slides open, and the same clothes are waiting for you on a hanger. The computer found just the clothes you needed. You get dressed and go to the kitchen where your family is eating breakfast. What would you like for breakfast? Computer asks. I recommend eggs, whole grain toast, and an apple. That would be a balanced meal. That sounds good. And before you know it, a robotic dog trots into the room with a plate of food attached to its back. You pick up the plate and begin to eat. You turn to your mom. Mom, is my package here yet? It should be here any minute, she says. Suddenly you hear a beeping outside the door and jump out of your chair. When you open the door, a drone is hovering in the air, holding a box. It drops the box into your arms and then turns and zooms off into the sky. You open the box and put on a watch, which blinks on. Are you ready for school, the computer watch says? Yes, I'm ready. And pull on your backpack. See you later, says your mom and kisses you on the cheek. You walk outside, and a moment later, your family van drives up and the door slides open. You climb inside and wave goodbye to your mom. But she's not driving the van, it's driving itself. Buckle up, the van says. Your school is five minutes away. The van starts playing your favorite podcast, and you look out the window as it drives you to school on its own. Can you imagine living in a world where computers and robots are smart enough to do all of these amazing things? Well, believe it or not, this world is not very far away. We already use many devices that use artificial intelligence to help us out. Artificial means made by human beings, and intelligence means thinking. So artificial intelligence means thinking machines that are made by humans, like computers. Humans are intelligent because we are born with it, but computers must be given instructions to think for us. Artificial intelligence is a mix of robots, expert systems, logic, and smart software that pretend to think like humans and do useful tasks to help us. It's called AI for short, so we'll use both terms for it during this episode. Alexa, play bedtime history! This is one thing my daughter says at night when she goes to bed. 
The Alexa device in her room is smart enough to recognize her words and know what she means when she asks it to do this. That might seem like a simple task, but it's actually incredibly complex, and it took many years to be able to design a device like Alexa. We also use our Alexa to make grocery lists, play music, and ask it questions like, Alexa, what's the tallest mountain in the world? According to Wikipedia, it's Mount Everest. Have you ever seen a Roomba? A Roomba is a robot vacuum that is small and round and zooms around the floor and picks up dirt and other debris. It has cameras on it that map the room, and then it makes decisions about where to go so it can vacuum the room. This makes it artificially intelligent. But like I said before, it was many years before artificial intelligence worked well. So let's go back in time to understand how it all began. For a very long time, people have been thinking about ways to make machines think for us. In 1901, off the coast of the island of Antikythera in Greece, a diver was swimming on the ocean floor when suddenly he came upon an ancient shipwreck. Among the wreckage, they found statues and other rare artifacts more than 2,000 years old. One of the artifacts was an advanced device that Greeks built to calculate the position of the sun, moon, and stars. The Antikythera mechanism is one of the earliest examples of a device used to perform complex calculations. The Chinese and Egyptians also created crude devices to do calculations. Much later, in 1840, Charles Babbage created the analytic engine to do advanced calculations. This was one of the first basic computers. Then during World War II, an engineer named Alan Turing began to explore the idea of a computer that was so smart a human couldn't tell it from a computer. This was called the Turing test. His friend Gray Walter was also interested in these ideas and created one of the first basic robots that made decisions on its own. It was shaped like a turtle and moved slowly, but was able to move on its own and find its own recharging station. Many other engineers began to explore artificial intelligence. The idea that a machine can understand the world around it and use that information to make decisions. If you're like me, we take advantage of how easy it is to do something simple like going to the refrigerator and getting a drink of water. But think of all the complex systems and movements that are involved. First, your body has to sense that it's thirsty. This triggers something in your brain that tells you a drink of water will fix the problem. Next, your brain has to remember where the water is, in the refrigerator, and then use your memory to remember where the fridge is located. Then your legs need to be designed in a way that allow you to walk through your home without running into walls or tripping on a toy in the hallway. Then in the kitchen, your eye is able to see the refrigerator and identify that it's a refrigerator. This is called pattern recognition. Then you walk to the refrigerator, grip the handle with your fingers, and pull it open. Then your body is able to fill a cup and finally drink the water. Artificial intelligence and robots have to be designed to be able to do some of the same things. Their eyes are cameras that must be able to see the environments around them. Then they send these inputs to their brain, which is a computer, to decide what they should do about them. This involves very advanced, very fast computers and a very large space to store all the data required to make these decisions. At the time of Gray Walter, there were many ideas about how artificial intelligence should make decisions. Some said you should tell the computer every action it should take. This is called a top-down approach. 
This is similar to what happens when you don't know how to do something and must ask a parent. They have to give you every step of making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, for example. And this seemed to work for a time, but the AI wasn't learning fast enough. Imagine if your parents had to tell you how to do every single thing. You wouldn't learn very fast, right? Instead, some computer scientists thought if computers could learn on their own, like humans, they could learn many more things and learn much faster. They decided to design a computer's brain similar to a human brain so it can learn on its own. They called this machine learning. And once artificial intelligence was designed to learn, it began to learn very, very fast. For example, for many years, Google had been trying to find a way to improve speech recognition. Speech recognition is what a computer does when it tries to recognize your voice. But think of all the different voices it needs to understand, since your voice is different than your siblings or your parents or your friends. Google used thousands of powerful computers to listen to voices all over the world and learn from them until it improved its speech recognition technology. Now today, when you talk to devices like Alexa or Siri or Cortana, each one uses very advanced speech recognition that can understand your questions. Pattern recognition has also been improved by the use of machine learning. So think about a tree. Even though trees are very different, when you see them, how do you know they're all trees? You know because you've learned the pattern of a tree. Some are tall, some are short, some are shaped differently, but they all have a trunk and leaves and are usually green. You found patterns between them all. This is called pattern recognition. Computers are now very good at finding patterns in everyday objects, which is why when you search Google, it can find pictures of trees all over the internet. Have you heard of a self-driving car? We mentioned it earlier when we talked about a van driving you to school on its own. Cars are now being designed to drive on their own, to make decisions about where to go, how fast to drive, and when to stop. Thanks to many hardworking engineers, cars are becoming very good at this. Companies like Tesla, Google, and Waymo are making advances so cars can help us drive safer. And I like the idea of being able to read or do other tasks while my car drives me to work. Someday most people may be using cars that drive themselves. If you're interested in robotics, be sure to check out videos by Boston Dynamics and some of the amazing robots they're creating. One of my favorite is a robot dog named Spot. It can run, dance, and climb up all kinds of difficult terrain. Can you think of examples of artificial intelligence around you? Do you use an Alexa or Siri on a family phone? Do you use a computer that helps you make decisions? As AI becomes more and more commonplace, can you think of ways to use it to improve your life or the lives of those around you? Some of the useful things artificial intelligence is doing to help people are things like detecting where earthquakes will happen before they happen, finding ways to slow the spread of disease, and how to get relief to people in need during a disaster. Artificial intelligence can do incredible things, but it needs the creativity of humans like you to design them to be useful and make good decisions.